You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. I go to churches to preach. And I go there to be a blessing. And I end up being blessed because of the kindness and the generosity of, of the people. And this church is a special place. And I've said that both publicly and privately uh, this week. And I want you to know that I've never, I've never, I've never sensed a greater moving of the Spirit in any other place. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And I'm grateful for that. I, I know what it's like to preach with, when, when, it, when it feels like preacher that I'm, that, that, that I'm presenting the work or preaching to, uh, uh, presenting or preaching and, and, there's, and there's just nothing there. You understand what I'm saying? And you, you have something special here. Our hearts have been touched. We're grateful for the week. My daughter doesn't want to leave. And I had to go buy her some pop today. Amen. Somebody said something about... Verners. She had never tasted Verners before. She was told it was the sick pop. So I had to go buy her some Verners pop today. And so she kind of likes this thing of, uh, of uh, the trees changing color and that kind of thing. So... It certainly has been a blessing for us to be here. Thank you once again for the fine accommodations, for tending to us and uh, asking about us. And really, our hearts are just our hearts are just overflowing, and we're certainly grateful for this opportunity. I will be praying for you the rest of this week and on into the future about the days ahead and what God would have for you to do. And I know that you will be praying also. Take your Bibles tonight. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll read one verse and then we'll pray. I'm going to preach tonight. Pastor, Pastor said when he was making his announcements about Sunday, he said he was going to preach on Sunday afternoon, and I heard him say this. A short, 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 short message. Isn't that what you heard? Well, I'm going to preach a short, short message tonight. Amen. And so um, I've tried to preach those short, 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 short messages, and sometimes it's hard to do, but uh, certainly grateful for all that God is doing in our lives. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we'll read verse number one, and then we'll pray. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. I'm preaching tonight on this subject, the promise to those who give. Our Father in heaven, speak to our hearts tonight. We'll close this part of the faith promise meeting tonight. But Father, certainly the, uh, the work continues and people are still praying and, and uh, still there is much that needs to be prayed about. We ask you, Father, that you would please help these dear people and give us, Lord, tonight the perspective of what you would have us to see concerning this matter of missions, how important it is that we get the right perspective in this matter. I ask you tonight, Father, for your power. I come before you and ask you, Father, that you would work in our lives tonight. We desire thy presence. Tonight, I pray that you'd help us to be attentive. I pray that you'd give me clearness of thinking. And I pray tonight that you would help me to say exactly what you would have me to say. Uh, guard my mind, my tongue. Speak to me and through me. Speak to the hearts of your people. And may you receive the honor and glory for all that's done. Work in our lives, I pray that you would. In Jesus' name, amen. We've used a word a lot this week, and you're going to probably hear this word even more as we, uh, as we approach this weekend and as you approach the, uh, the harvest banquet on Sunday. That's a marvelous thing to do, by the way. And uh, as, as you approach that time, and since we've begun this missions conference, there is a word that you have heard a lot of, and the word that you have heard a lot of is this word, it is the word give, give. Now we find that word all throughout Holy Writ. Either the word give or a rendition of the word, it could be give or gave or have given, but we see that all throughout Holy Writ. I like using biblical words. But I want to give you a word tonight that you're not going to find in the Bible. And I think if I give you this word, that it's going to bring things into perspective. It, it's, um, it's going to bring us, it's going to clear our vision a little bit on this matter of our mission giving. And here's the word. It's one word, and as I said, you'll not find any rendition of it in Holy Writ, I don't believe. And the word is this. The word is invest. Now, help me, church. When you invest in something, what is your ultimate goal? To get a to get a return. In our economic society, and in the economic society that we live in today, in our economy, and in our economic system, when you invest something, 
there's a risk, right? I remember back when the, um, the housing bubble burst in 2008, 2008, 2009, hit a little bit different in different places depending on where you're at in the country. And I remember that there were people that I know personally that when that happened, they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because when you invest, when it comes to the economic perspective, you invest with the understanding that there is risk involved, right? However, when you invest <laughs> in missions, there is no risk. Because God promised us that. And we'll look at that here in just a moment. So as we're preparing to determine what God has for us and what He wants us to give concerning this matter of missions, it's important for us to understand and to realize that this matter is a matter of prayer, it is a matter of giving, but our perspective should be, it is a matter of investment. Now, no one in the room tonight would invest monetarily in something that was failing. We just wouldn't do that. The good news is, is that when you invest in missions, there is no risk, <laughs> and it's never failing. Because when we give, we give as unto the Lord. I want you to look tonight, and by the way, this is a promise that God has given to us, and I'm grateful tonight that in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 1, and other places, that the Bible teaches us that there's one thing that God cannot do. And in Titus chapter 2 and verse 1, this one thing that God cannot do, the Bible says that God cannot lie. So when God says that there's going to be a return on something, he that goeth forth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him, right? So when God says that there's going to be a return on something, I've got good news. There's going to be a return on something, right? All right, so let's go to our text, and let's read the verse again, and then I'll give you just a couple things that I think will help us tonight. Cast thy bread upon the water, waters, and thou shalt find it after many days. So, I'm a simple person. I normally have three-point outlines unless I'm, I'm giving a list of things. And so, tonight is just a simple three-point outline. Here's point number one. I want us to see the problem. You say, uh, Pastor, there's a, there's a problem. The verse, the verse seems pretty simplistic to me. The problem is not with the verse. 
The problem is that the verse doesn't work. Stay with me. You with me? That the verse doesn't work in our personal life if we don't have the faith to act upon it. By the way, that's the way the entire Bible is. If we don't have the faith to act on, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, will not get saved. We have to have the faith to act upon what the verse says. When we don't have the faith to act upon what the verse says, it doesn't make the verse incorrect, it makes us incorrect. That's just like disagreeing with God. Have you ever disagreed with God? I have. I've disagreed with God. But every time that I've disagreed with God, God has always been right, and I have always been wrong. Amen? So, the problem here is we take this verse, and if we don't act in faith upon this verse, then it's not going to work in our lives. And the point is this, we must have enough faith to act upon the principle that's given. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, you know this verse, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? That's faith. Anything that we do uh, that, uh, uh, that in this matter of serving the Lord and in the matter of giving and in the matter specifically of investing, there is an element of faith involved. We don't know exactly uh, maybe where uh, the monetary resources are going to come from, but if we knew exactly where all of it was going to come from, there would be no need for faith. Romans chapter 14, verse 23, the Bible says, help me church, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. James chapter 2, verses 18 and 20, the Bible says, faith without works is dead. We were preaching on, I think it was Sunday, when the Apostle Paul said, when your faith is increased. And the pastor mentioned when he was up here, he talked about when the apostles were asking for their faith to increase. And I want you to see that for a moment. So take your Bibles, hold your place here. Take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 17. And let's look there. It's interesting to me that um, if you study the Bible, you're going to find, as you're turning to Luke chapter 17, you're going to find that there are only two times in Holy Writ that we find these words like this when the apostles ask the Lord, and we'll look at it in a minute as you're turning there, increase our faith. The apostle Paul told the believers at Corinth, when your faith is increased, those two times in Scripture are the only times in Holy Writ that we see that phrase like that, talking about increasing our faith. Well, Jesus addressed this in Luke chapter 17, look in verse number 5, and the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Okay, so tonight you're praying about what God would have you do concerning faith promise missions. 
How many of you in the room tonight would like for the Lord to increase your faith? Raise your hand. I'm raising two hands and a foot. Amen. I would like for the Lord to increase my faith. Okay, so Jesus here is going to explain this matter of increasing our faith. And so look what he says. In verse number 6, he says this, And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. And so we know that Jesus is here, he's talking about faith, but he's not talking about this much faith. He's talking about this much faith, right? That's not a lot of faith. You have that much faith, don't you? And so this is one element when when Jesus was asked about increased faith, this is one thing that he said. You don't have to have great faith. You just have to have a little bit of faith. And I think we have that. A little bit of faith is not a lot of faith. But Jesus didn't finish his teaching there. Remember, we're talking about how to increase our faith. So look what he says in verse number 7. He says in verse number 7, But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, When he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet? So here's the Lord, and he says, which one of you apostles would say that when your servant is out, and when he's plowing or or feeding cattle, that he comes in, and when he comes in, that servant sits down to the table, and he eats? Well, that's not what the servant's supposed to do. And that's what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was teaching that that when that servant would come in, that servant would come in from the field, and Jesus explained it in verse number 8, he comes into the field, or comes in from the field, and when he comes in from the field, he doesn't sit down to eat. The Lord of the house sits down to eat, and the servant that's been plowing in the field serves the landowner. And then after the landowner has ate, and this is in verses 8 and 9, And then after the landowner has ate, then the servant eats. And Jesus said this, Jesus said, that is his duty. For the sake of time, just look there, and I'll let you read it on your own. For the sake of time, just look at the last four words of verse 10. He talks about our duty to do. Remember, Jesus is talking about increasing our faith so increasing our faith based on this passage has to do with two things it has to do with our faith faith as a grain of mustard seed and it has to do with us as servants doing our duty as a servant of christ and if we do our duty as a servant of christ and if we have faith the bible says that our faith will increase Okay, so let me break it down, and let me say it like this. We work like everything depends on us. That's duty. 
we pray and have faith like everything depends on God, because it does. And that's what Jesus was teaching. Those two things, according to what Christ taught, will increase our faith. So let's put that into practice as we go into the next few days as a servant of His, as a child of God. Let's do what we know that is right to do and exercise faith in Him. And in so doing, that will, according to the Scripture, increase our faith. Now go back to the book of Ecclesiastes for a moment. In the book of Ecclesiastes, that's the problem. The problem isn't the verse. The problem is we have to act by faith on what the Scripture teaches, right? All right, so let me give you the principle here. Look back at our text. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, um, I don't know about you, but I take the Bible literally, and I know there are different things that are signs and symbols, and, and, and we can get into that, but I don't have time. Uh, but I, I took this verse literally, and I was sitting, and I was thinking to myself, cast, cast thy bread, cast thy bread, cast thy bread. And I looked at my wife, and I said, we got any bread? And she said, yeah, we got bread. And as I was meditating on this passage this afternoon in the hotel room, we had some bread there in the hotel room. And I said, let me, let me see this piece of bread. So I got a piece of bread, and I went in the bathroom, and I put water in the sink, and I cast my bread upon the water. And that what the verse says? I wanted to see what would happen. I cast my bread upon the water. And I went back to the desk, and I was just reading and studying. And uh, I walked in the bathroom, and I checked the bread, see how my bread was doing. And uh, I noticed something about it. It was, uh, it was expanding, getting a little bigger, right? And then I thought to myself, well, this test, Pastor, really, this is not really very scientific. Because I need some bread like Solomon had, right? And they didn't have sliced bread back in those days. And so I thought to myself, you know, I, I, wish, I wish that I had like a big, just a big loaf. But I guarantee you I would get the same results. That loaf, that bread would, would expand. And I thought to myself, you know, there's some lessons there concerning the gospel. And then I got to studying a little bit more, and I had, I had studied this passage. And as I was studying this passage, I learned some things concerning this principle that's here in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, and verse number 1. And in short, the principle has to do with a principle that you're familiar with. And it is the principle of sowing and reaping. And we've looked at some of those things this week, and so I don't want to rehearse that. But when I say sowing and reaping, because we know the Bible talks about that, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 2, talks about a, plant, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 talks about sowing and reaping. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 teaches us the same thing. But as I begin to study this, I begin to understand that this, this may very, and this would apply, it may very well have been a business term. Now that's interesting. And it may very well have been a business term that had to do with shipping things. And the thought is that it required great patience for the return on an investment. And sometimes in our life, when we decide that we're going to give to missions, we, we give to missions, but, but we don't see the return on the investment right away. Does that make sense? The idea is that it was wise and good to work for that which could not immediately be seen, which is what missions is. So look back at the verse for just a moment. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. The Bible says, cast thy bread. Now, uh, you may... Uh, you may like bread, you may not like bread, you may like wheat bread, or you may like white bread. You know what they say about white bread, the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. Yeah. You, may, you may like bread, right? But understand the term bread, of course, back in those days, it wasn't something that they just ate on the side, you with me? Bread back in those days was life-sustaining. Bread back in those days was of great value. Bread back in those days was something that if you didn't have it, you would probably die because at times that was the only thing to eat, just bread. So the bread here in the text has to do of something of great value. That's why the Bible doesn't say in John chapter 6 and verse 35, uh, when Jesus was talking, he didn't say, I am a stalk of corn. He said, I am the bread of life. Why? Because bread in those days was precious. And so we get the thought from the text is that that which we give is very valuable. Does that make sense? Notice the word cast. Cast thy bread. The term there, it means to throw or to scatter. We know that the verse says that their casting was to a specific place. It was to the waters. Now you say, Pastor, that doesn't make any sense. You're picturing in your mind's eye somebody taking bread and casting bread into the water. It doesn't make any sense. You're right. And that is where faith comes in. That is where our faith comes in, in the giving of missions. We give to missions. We know that the money goes out. But we don't see every little thing that happens. We're trusting by faith. We're obeying God and we're giving to the Lord. And then God is taking those things and he's using those things. Does that make sense? 
By the way, there's a lot of things in Scripture that I don't understand. But just because I don't understand them, that doesn't make it not so. Right? So we see the problem. We see the principle. So here's the promise. Look at the text for just a moment. The last part of the verse, from the middle to the end, it says, For thou shalt find it after many days. There are promises in the Word of God. We can be assured that all of God's promises, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 20, are yea, that means truly, even so, and amen, that means so be it. So here's the promise. Thou shalt find it after many days. And the truth is, is that we invest, because that's what it is, it's an investment in eternity, right? We are are about to embark on this great investment into eternity. Now, the Bible says, thou shalt find it after many days. So we're not going to see the return on the investment right away. Does that make sense? Um, we may see some of the results of the investment, but we're not going to see the full extent of our investment on this side of eternity. So we are investing for eternity. That has got to be our perspective. One day, in heaven, I'm I'm looking forward to heaven. I don't want to go tonight, but I'm looking forward to heaven. Heaven is as real as the chair that you're sitting in. And one day in heaven, I wonder if there's not going to be a Haitian man that comes up to me. And says, I was in that tent meeting after the earthquake, and I heard you preach, and I got saved. I wonder if in heaven, someone from the island of St. Vincent, a little boy will not come up to me and say, I was in that tent meeting in October in 2019. When you preached, or when a preacher preached, I asked Jesus into my heart. (laughs) Preacher, I wonder in heaven if there's not 
going to be some folks from the Philippines. <laughs> they come up to your pastor in heaven and they say, <clears throat> Thank you for giving to the Lord. <laughs> I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Wow. That is what we're holding in the balance tonight. You say, uh, you say, Pastor, I, uh, you say, Pastor, I've, uh, if I give what God says to give, then I'm going to have to sell something. <laughs> you say, Pastor, if I give what, what God tells me to give, then, then I'm going to have to make some adjustments in my schedule. If I give what God is telling me to give, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to do some things that really kind of make me uncomfortable. I may have to sacrifice. Yeah. But if that's what God tells you to do, you better do it. I know people today who have who have given thousands and thousands of dollars sacrificially. God has blessed them. But I want you to stop and think about something for a moment. Most of us in this room tonight God has blessed us. <laughs> we all probably had a meal tonight. Everybody looks nice. We work hard. And I know that we work hard. And God supplies the needs for us. But I want you to stop and think about something. I want you to stop and think about the hundreds, even thousands of missionaries who go to the field because they're called to go to the field and their sacrifice. They go because God tells them to go to the field. And they go to the field to reach the people that God has called them to. I can do without something. The, the truth is, all of us can do without something. I know of a missionary family now that is in Costa Rica. 
They're working with the Indians. They backpack to where the Indians are. And they're there where the Indians in the mountains of Costa Rica. And they have two little children. And I saw a picture recently of those two little children in, 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 in backpack carriers, just babies. And those two missionaries, husband and wife team, are carrying those babies up the mountains, American missionaries, to reach those Indians. And all around the world tonight, there are missionaries that are sacrificing. I want to tell you a story of one, and then I'm done. We're talking about investing. I want you to listen to the story. <clears throat> and I want you to think about the sacrifice that folks make to obey the will of God. And as you approach this time this weekend, ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Remember, we cast our bread upon the waters. We don't find it tomorrow. We find it after many days. And sometimes we don't find it until years. And sometimes in eternity. In 1921... Missionaries David and Sevilla Flood left Sweden with their two-year-old son to serve God in the Congo. Along with another couple, the Ericsons, they left the main mission station to bring the gospel to a remote village. When arriving on the field, they were met with resistance. Fearing of offending the pagan gods, the chief of the village would not let them enter the village. Discouraged, but still committed, they moved a half a mile away and built huts to live in. Though they prayed earnestly for God to open doors and reach these needy people, nothing happened. The only contact they had with the village was of a young boy who was allowed to come from the village to sell chickens and eggs to them every couple of weeks. Svea Flood was determined to lead the boy to Christ. Other than that, there were no other contacts or opportunities. Malaria began to afflict both families, the Ericsons and the Floods, and eventually the Ericsons would return to the main mission station leaving the floods to serve alone. Svea soon discovered she was pregnant. And the chief of the village had enough compassion in his heart to send a midwife to help deliver the baby. And when the baby was born, her name was Ana. However, because of the weakened state of Svea, the mother, due to malaria and delivery complications, Svea, the mother, died 17 days later. A 
That was all that David Flood could take. With his own hands, he dug a grave and placed the body of his 27-year-old wife inside of it. He placed a white cross on the grave bearing her name. He took his children back to the main mission station and handed the, new the newborns to the Ericsons. His heartache and grief turned to anger and resentment. And David Flood said, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife, and I obviously cannot take care of this baby. With those parting words, he turned his back on his daughter, his friends, his calling, and his God. Approximately eight months later, both of the Ericsons, who were caring for little Ana, came down with a mysterious disease and died within a few days of each other. The baby Ana was given to some American missionaries who began to call her Aggie. They brought her back to the U.S. to live when she was three years old. Aggie grew up in South Dakota with her second adopted family. Her adopted father had become a pastor and she attended a Bible college and met a young man and, and they, uh, named Dewey Hurst and they were, uh, uh, they were later married. Dewey, Aggie's husband, eventually became the president of a college in Seattle. Aggie, who was renamed from Ana, the baby, Aggie was at college one day and received in her mailbox a Swedish religious magazine. She did not know who sent it and wasn't able to read the, word because, well, the words because of the different language. As she flipped through the magazine, one of the photographs stopped her cold. It was a picture of a white cross adorning a simple grave. And on the cross, she read these words, Sphia Flood. It was her mother's grave. Aggie immediately took the magazine to a friend who spoke Swedish and could translate it for her. The friend explained that the story was about a missionary who had come to the village years ago. The article told about a baby that was born and the death of the baby's mother. And <laughs> of a young African boy who trusted Christ as his Savior. The article went on to say that after the missionaries left, the boy received permission to start a school in the village. And the boy, who sold them chickens and eggs 25 years ago, had led, had led hundreds of people to Christ. The chief of the village became a believer also, along with 600 believers in the village. For Dewey and Aggie's 25th wedding anniversary, the college gave them a, a trip to Sweden, and there she found her father, David Flood, now an old man, had married again, fathered four children, and became an alcoholic. He had recently suffered a stroke, 
still bitter after all these years. He had reared his new family with this rule. Never mention the name of God. God took everything from us. The day came when Aggie entered the dirty apartment littered with liquor bottles and spoke to the 77-year-old man, her father. She said this, Papa, David Flood turned and began to weep. Aina, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, she said. God took care of me. The tears dried up instantly and the warmth of the moment turned cold. David said, God forgot all of us. Our lives have been like this because of him and David flood rolled over and he faced the wall. His daughter said, Papa, I have a story to tell you. You did not go to Africa in vain. Mama did not die in vain. The little boy that you and Mama won to the Lord led his entire village to Christ. And the seed that you planted just kept growing and growing. Papa, Jesus loves you. He has never hated you. By the end of the day, the relationship between those two and him and God was restored. That's not the end of the story. Several years later in London, England, at the Conference of Evangelism that Aggie and her husband Dewey attended, a report was given from the, na from the nation of Zaire, formerly the Belgian Congo. The leader of the national church spoke movingly about the gospel of Christ and how it had spread through his nation and 110,000 baptized believers were represented. When he was finished, Aggie rushed up to the pastor and inquired if the pastor had ever heard of David and Svea Flood. His reply was translated into English and his response was this, yes, it was via flood that led me to Christ. It was that boy who had brought food to her parents before she was born. In fact, he said, to this day, your mother's grave and her memory are honored by all of us. You must come to Africa to see us. Your mother is a famous person in our history. And that she did. And that she went back. She was greeted by throngs of cheering people and eventually knelt at the graveside of her mother with the, with the white cross. Here's the lesson. You cast your bread upon the water. It may be 20 years before you see the results. It must be a matter of faith in our life. But I promise you this, that when you cast your bread upon the water, it will come back after many days. And as you pray these next few days, remember that whatever you cast upon the water, 
it will come back and you will reap back either here but most importantly in eternity you have been listening to the fellowship baptist church sermon podcast we hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you if you would like more messages visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free also you can subscribe to the fellowship baptist church sermon podcast on itunes google play or soundcloud all of our messages are available for free if you want to keep up to date on what's going on at fellowship follow us on facebook twitter or instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.